This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. We've escaped from Melbourne Park and we are at Catherine's Hotel, beer in hand, uh, two beers law on his first. Grad Matt, how many do you typically drink? Yeah, two's good. Yeah, two's good. <laughs> Catherine's on the first of her two wines, Whittaker. And I know it looks enormous, but it is, it is ice cube heavy. Okay, all right. Okay, well, believe you. Uh, we've had a full day of tennis, folks, and we're going to get smack into it here on the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph. Um, and... I'm trying to think where best to start, really, because so much has happened. I've just done the Angelique Kerber match against Kimberly Burrell. That's which, not the place to start. Well, I, can, I can tell you it's the place to start to say it was one of the worst matches I've ever seen <laughs> in terms of its competitive nature. Uh, it was 6-1, 6-love to, to Angelique Kerber. Ends. Right, let's talk about something else. Uh, Rafael Nadal, we'll, we'll go backwards. We'll go backwards. That's what's happening here, folks, because uh, I had about four hours sleep last night. I don't really know what day it is. Let's go backwards. And Rafael Nadal, next up, he played against Alex Dimonor and um, for three games, it was brilliant. <laughs> yeah. yeah, competitive, back and forth, changes of momentum. Oh, yeah. And then it it's wasn't. over. Yeah. 20, <laughs> yeah, 23 minutes for the first three games, and actually, uh, Dimonor had a break point which he he didn't take. Um, and, and actually, I think there was a, there was a Hawkeye overall in Nadal's favour that mm. kept that game alive. Um, and then thereafter, very interesting watching with Leon Smith because we were we were a little concerned from Nadal's perspective in that he was rallying with with Dimonor. He was playing sort of clay courty type rallies, looping, and and the sim- speed of Dimonor is just absurd, really. Um, and uh, and we were kind of thinking, well, how are you going to win points because you can't get the ball past this guy? Suddenly, after three games, it was like Nadal made a conscious decision: I ain't playing anymore. I am going to just destroy you. And he just started to tee off with every single shot he had at his disposal. He went full power and just obliterated Dimonor. 
It was a little bit boy against man, really, wasn't it? If you line them up and you just think, how is Dumanor supposed to live with this <laughs> physical beast that is Nadal? And I think that's exactly the review that Nadal wanted of that match. I spoke to Carlos Moy yesterday and I asked the question, does Rafa particularly relish these matches against the young guys? You know, the opportunity to say hang on a second, it's not your time yet, it's still my time. Expecting a sort of um, a prevaricating type, perfectly nice, but saying nothing in particular response of like, yeah, you know, he relishes all the matches. And Carlos Moy basically went, yeah, he really, he does. Um, so I think Man Against Boy is exactly the review um, that Rafa was wanting today. And uh, I mean... It, it, look, it, we haven't learnt anything more about Dumanor tonight. He's still a great player. He's still lightning quick. He's still going to be top ten, probably. Could, I, I would think. Yeah. I think he'll probably yeah. be top ten. I think, I think we've just learned that there are limitations. You know, it's not un, an unlimited ceiling. He doesn't have the weapons. You know, Rafael Nadal can can run around at the back of the court, rally away, and then can suddenly decide, oh, "I'm done with this rally." Boom, forehand. Dumanor can't do that. What, what I would say is that I do feel that when, say, Nadal retires, um, I'm not sure that there's that many other people that could do to Dimonor what Nadal did no. today. Maybe Zverev could on a good day Oof. with his big game. Um, but I don't, I'm, not, I'm not convinced. I think Dimonor could live with most people. Well, the thing is, you know, we're still in the era of Federer, Nadal and Djokovic. When they are eventually gone the standard required to win things is not going to be quite as high as it is at the moment because we're talking about probably the three all-time greatest players. So for Dimonor to, you know, push Nadal at times tonight and find himself, you know, just not as good a player as Nadal, not quite physically able to live with him, you know, I don't think it's... It's not a you know it's not a big crisis for Dumanor. You know what it, struck me tonight? Sorry, Catherine. Was that it's ten years since Nadal won the title here. Hmm. Ten and years. And he hasn't won one since. No. He's, and he's, 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 I, I hadn't qu- quite sat down and and grappled with the fact that he's only won the title here once. Yeah. I know. I actually said he'd won it twice because I just assumed he <laughs> yeah. had. It's funny, it, isn't it? Because you kind of assume with Nadal that he might. He's had. A, he's got a better record at the U.S. Open. Where you kind of think he'll be knackered by then. Yeah. Um, yeah, the sort of the narratives that we impose upon Nadal, maybe actually the the stats and the facts don't don't bear them out. But I mean, it, I know it's easy and potentially lazy to make the parallels between Dumanor and Hewitt, but everything that you're describing there, timing is everything. I keep saying it. I hope it it's it's not um, insulting to Leighton Hewitt to say that that guy was in the right place at the right time and made the most of it. That's life. Yeah. It, life is getting a slice of luck and running with and it. it and boy <laughs> I mean boy did he do that literally and figuratively and you know as soon as Federer and Nadal came along Hewitt suddenly faded not into insignificance but paled Plus. but he he snuck in in that window and imposed himself on the window Le- and Leighton sounded Leighton sounded the death knell for servant volley tennis nobody served and volleyed after Leighton Hewitt came along because he had that the, that deathly head-to-head against uh, against Tim Hemman, didn't he? 
And Tim Emman just Tim Emman felt he had to change his game. And Pete Sampras. I mean, look what he did to Pete Sampras in the U.S. Open final. He he, yeah. he could just take serve and volleyers to the cleaners. And even Which, at Queens, he beat him in the final there, didn't he? And on yeah. grass. I was just about to say we're talking about you know days when Matt was sort of <laughs> fetal. <laughs> um, but. And yet, but, so, and yet he remembers those as well. So I just want yeah. to say on Dumanot, it, it felt to me a bit like Nadal Ferrer kind of today, you know. And Ferrer's one of these guys who was completely, in terms of being able to win majors at, at the wrong time. Um, yes. But obviously Dumanot has got so much of his career ahead of him, you feel like he will actually be at the right time. The, the, the thing that uh, also strikes me as well from the 10 years since Nadal's title is that Fernando Vadasco is the one remaining match still going on at the moment and he's two sets to one up as we speak to you against Marin Cilic about to go into a tie break and remember that semi-final oh. Vadasco against Nadal if you ever get a chance to just replay that sometime just put a couple of hours aside and whiz through that oh what a match that was do you know what I was doing while I was watching that match go on I was writing my letter to Jolly and Armstrong media director of uh, the then uh, Stellar Artois Championships. Championships to ask if there were <laughs> any, any uh, openings in the press setup. I remember I was sat in front of that very match goodness and uh, Nadal's old rival Roger Federer was victorious today uh, in straight sets against Taylor Fritz. There was one competitive set in the middle. Was but there? Yeah, so well, seven five, seven five. The, uh, it felt like Federer was just sort of buying his time to strike at the end of the set, so he could kind of just get a you know just get ahead in the third. Channel Very Nine easily. had Jim Courier, Todd Woodbridge, and Nick Kyrgios commentating that match. Did uh, Nick come up with any pearls? Um, it was exactly the same as a Nick Kyrgios press conference, really. You sort of couldn't help but like him. It was it was really unpolished and, you know, he wasn't really playing by the rules of commentary. He was doing it his own way and Jim Courier had to work quite hard. But you sort of got to the end of it and thought, oh, yeah, I'm really irritated by the fact that I still like the bloke. <laughs> um, but, but, I mean, Jim Courier, I mean, uh, uh, he at one point, I think it was after Federer drop-shotted a Taylor Fritz return. He said, oh, that's just filthy. <laughs> and I th- that, for me, is the summation of that match. It was just... Yeah. What he did to Taylor Fritz was sort of filthy. Yeah. Got, a, got a feeling, though, that Federer is not going to be doing that with Stefano Tsitsipas in the next round, who beat Nicolas Basilashvili uh, in one of the early matches of the day. I was in early today, and it was four sets... Bit tasty, I have to say. The third set was nine-seven in the tiebreak, and Sitsipas got a time violation uh, and lost a serve. Lost his first serve when he was serving for the third set. Ended up losing his his uh, serve, going ballistic. Apparently, using some pretty awful language, which which he totally owned up to and apologised for. Got a, an unsportsmanlike conduct charge as a result of that, but still ended up winning. But I think. I know we've talked a lot about Sitsipas in the past, and, and bef- at the start of this tournament, I don't think I would have given him much of a prayer against Federer. Having seen that match, I think I, think I believe he's going to take Federer deep. Interesting. I mean, he did push him at the Hotman Cup. It was two very tight sets. Um, and Maybe, it, I just think it reminded me it, of what he can do today. You know, he has that dexterity in his hands. And well, it's matchups, isn't it? And yeah. He can do what Fritz just cannot do, which is bring his own variety, impose himself against Federer. And, know, and not suffer the, the, the ill effects of locker room aura. Yeah. Mm. 
He's know, got belief. He's he's got total belief. He's not going to be cowed by anyone. Federer knows that. Interestingly, in the on-court interview uh, with Roger Federer today, Federer admitted. Um, was it John McEnroe doing the Federer on-court interview? No, that was the Nadal, Nadal one. Yeah. yeah, lots of people were were tweeting about some joke that happened there. Oh yeah, that was quite funny. He yeah, was, he was asked, Nadal did a joke and it was he, funny. He was asked if he wanted to thank his physical trainer, and he said. No, I've had all no, I'm getting injured all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but somebody, and apologies that I'm I'm not giving that person credit, asked Federer about uh, the importance of sort of maintaining his locker room more and maintaining that sort of halo-like, you know, thing that he walks around with. And he said, yeah, I, I do cultivate that. I do see that as a significant thing. And it is important. And that is not going to be a thing against Stefano Sitsabas, who, incidentally made a fulsome apology for that behaviour and that unsportsmanlike conduct with absolutely no caveats at all in press afterwards. He said, I'm ashamed of my behaviour, I apologise for it. He, to the moment, um, yeah, said he, said he was you know, embarrassed by it and good on it. He also said, um, yeah. I'm working on, I, I don't have many friends on tour and I'm working on that. Should we offer or, because I quite... I'll like be his friend. Yeah. yeah. I'm up for it. I mean, I'm probably... I'm but there's also something a bit sad about saying, I'll be your friend. <laughs> you'd, probably, you'd, probably, you'd probably say, no, you're all right, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The guy with no friend saying, I don't even want you as a friend. Yeah. He'd go, <laughs> can I have a friend without grey hair? Because you're a bit old. Um, no, I don't think he would care, though. No. He doesn't care about that stuff. Oh, good lad, Steph. Right. Um, so I, I also enjoyed Roger Federer's son, Lenny, uh, on the lap of his... Are we sure it was Lenny? Yeah. Apparently it was. Because Federer yeah. said so. Uh, on the right. lap of his mum, Merkel. Well, where was the other one? I don't know. Uh, what are you, you sure they for? didn't switch? You <laughs> sure wasn't like the prestige? Well, Roger Federer said it was Lenny. I hope he knows. Uh, and he was... Uh, he How was, can he tell? He was smacking uh, Ivan Lubitsch in the face to, uh, to uh, burst the little bits of... Um, uh, the, the, Lubitsch was blowing out his cheek for him to pop, uh, which uh, which my son does with me, when I, which I find particularly amusing. Uh, anyway, that was happening on the big screen. Catherine's uh, wondering what on earth I'm talking about. <laughs> the two matches of the day were Maria Sharapova against Caroline Wozniacki and the big upset of the day, oh. which has been an absolute predictions killer, Amanda Inisimova beating Arena Sabalenka 6-3-6-2. Let's start with that one. She's arrived, folks. Well, I'm more, um, I can confirm that I'm going to pronounce it differently to you, and Matt might pronounce her name a, a third different way. <laughs> she said she wants her name to be pronounced the American way. Which is? Which is Anisimova. Anisimova. And not Anisimova, which is the Russian way. She she mm. wants the... Because technically, Sharapova should be Sharapova. Mm. Anyway, um goodness me she's good I know it's not for a lot of people they were like who's this kid where's she come from and sort of for nerdy tennis people that they were like oh chill out she was a thing in Indian Wells <laughs> you know it's like uh-huh. you know, when you're 13 everyone's like uh, getting into Papa Roach and like well I had their first album yeah <laughs> it turns out Papa Roach were rubbish and everyone was embarrassing themselves but anyway um Catherine the cool <laughs> um she is, I mean, she's she's better than we even thought in Indian Wells, isn't she? Let's be, I mean, that, uh, t- to pick out a single thing seems facile, really, because everything's so great. To see us again, see her standing alongside Arena Sabalenka, who's of no age herself. That looked like woman and girl, yes. and yet 
the the girl was bullying the the woman around the court to see to see Arena Sabalenka being pushed around like that. I'm quite happy to be facile. Um, two <laughs> two points I would say. One is I do feel that when Anisimova beat Petra Kvitova, who was hitting her big shots, who she now plays mm. right. Who who was hitting her big shots, and Anisimova was treating them like they were nothing. I'd never seen that before by anybody. And it's not just that there are other big power players, but this woman's ability to pick out a ball that is flying at Mac 10 at her and just strike it purely from the centre of the strings, time after time after time, is I don't think I've seen that from anybody. And, and she did that against Kavita and she beat her easily. She did that against Sabalenka today. Who is this... Surely the biggest hitter in the game in terms of just raw power and aggression and ferocity and all the rest of it. And she was just sweeping these backhands cross-court. It's not a bad deep. rehearsal for playing oh. Kvitova either, is it? Yeah. Playing Sabalenka. Crikey, she's not going to feel... She's playing somebody that she's played once and beaten and is exactly the same mould of tennis player as the previous women that she ate for breakfast I mean Anisimova is going but, into that but, feeling but like also, yeah but I'll also if you look at the three players she's played in this tournament she's played um, Monica Nicolescu who is a world away from <laughs> Arena Sabalenka yeah, yeah. Slice and Dice uh, Serenko in the second round who's a complete counterpuncher she beat her for the loss of two games yeah and now she's taken apart I, w- I went out onto the Margaret Court Arena just, just thinking it would be a you know a competitive match and she'd really challenge Sabalenka I was blown away by how good Anisimova was. Like it was a joke what she was doing. She, her backhand is from the heavens. I, I think it might be the best backhand I've ever seen, men or women. And I know that's a no, big statement. I, I, um, it's it's so good. She can do anything with it, and she can move. There was one point where she was scampering from side to side and she eventually did a sort of squash shot and it sort of hung in the air for ages and just dropped on the line. Do you know when that happened? I was in the the radio room in a room full of people with my headphones on watching this. You know, I was one of those moments where I'm not really aware of the fact that I'm surrounded by people and I'm watching this float, this ball float from outside of the tram lines, veering back in and landing in the postage stamp between sideline and baseline for break point and I just went, No way! (laughs) <laughs> and everybody just what 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 and I'm, I'm suddenly aware that oh I'm surrounded here where sorry everybody that was ex- look at the replay look at the replay you justify it it was one of those performances where you think how is this person ever losing tennis matches yeah, where's she been literally. to Lindsay and Wells I know she's uh, she's cropped up a couple of times but she's not been doing Indian Wells type things since Indian Wells like how has she not been winning everything but that mm. but that's the thing is when you look at the matchups, and, and we talk about the next one against Petra Kvitova, when you're that age, when you're 17, it may well be that you do it for one match, and then you can't do it the next round. She's done it for three, and, and I think that's a very valid point Matt makes about she's them already, being very different. She's already talking about winning this tournament. She is. Well, yeah. Well, what do we think about that? Well, when it was said on the encore interview, it was said, you know, can you follow in Maria Sharapova's footsteps and be a teenager to win a slam? I was thinking, oh, come on, let's let's... You know, let's give her room to breathe. There's still so many good players left in the draw. And then I thought about it again. And I thought, well, if she plays like that, she legitimately could. Because she's, she's beaten the player that I had in, in my final. Mm-hmm. 
So, and, and I should say my my blog today is about that match. Okay, yeah. Go and read Grand Matt's blogs, folks. Tennispodcast.net. Every day, he's done some absolute corkers. Go and read the back catalogue. Just, it's it's worth it. I'm telling you. It, it, I mean, it is going to be interesting though because Kvitova was sublime today yeah. mm. and uh, has she been beat Belinda Bencic um, she's on an eight match winning streak now I mean she made absolute mincemeat an hour and eight minutes against mm. Belinda Bencic I thought that was going to be one of the matches of the day lovely contrast of styles on the Melbourne arena that like is a not is a completely um it's not a good it's court, It's not a good it? name no. for a court. I don't like it. I keep calling it the High Sense Arena. Um, <laughs> but then I feel like I should be being paid by High Sense to say that. Yeah, you should. Uh, but anyway, she was blooming good. Uh, Maria Sharapova ended up playing Caroline Wozniacki, defending champion. And actually, tennis wasn't that good, really. I mean, it was quite an error-filled match. Close. 6-3 uh, in the third for Sharapova. I got that prediction right, folks. On our newsletter, I if you'd like to sign up to it. Pending, pending the result of Vadasco's potential collapse. Uh, yes. <laughs> we might have a full house today. Oh, good. Yeah. Basically, what we're doing, folks, is every day <laughs> after yesterday in our newsletter, we're doing our match prediction of the day for we the next day. Yeah, so sign up. Somewhere thought, uh, you know what, this tennis podcast more more, more bad predictions, more <laughs> reputation destroying yeah. predictions. Brilliant. Yeah. I'm, I tell you, I seem to be back in the game yeah, yeah David said to me today he just he rocked back on his chair he just went I am winning the predictions competition this year I am Novak Djokovic I've been injured I was like when have you been injured he was like oh just mentally I just wasn't just wasn't on it last year with the predictions but this year I'm on it and burnout. I must say I had burnout and he I'm, is I'm doing annoyingly well yeah I tell you I'm really flying early on the hair hair and the tortoise do you yeah the beard's gone but I tell you <laughs> It is I haven't a lost my strength. Set tiebreak, people. It is set point to Marin Cilic. Oh, oh come no. on, let's go all the way. Let's go deep into the night. Yeah, that's definitely what the people in the Eurosport office are thinking. <laughs> uh, other winners: uh, Sloane Stevens over Petra Martic, two tiebreaks. Apparently, Sloane Stevens was in great form in the interview room. Uh, she was uh, chatting away, having a good time. Um, it's, it's interesting how how sometimes she's really happy to talk, and other times she's just couldn't give a stuff and she doesn't say anything Thomas Burdick who I said will reach oh the semi-finals God, he might win the bloody tournament well you know. he's playing Rafael Nadal him or Roberto Batista yeah. it's a horror correct me if I'm wrong I haven't actually looked it up but from memory that's a horrible record for Burdick 19-4 I think we we saw today and four. one of them at the Australian Open but yeah. Nadal really? was not really no. Nadal that crushed year. Nadal four years ago but as you say it wasn't Nadal but, at his best but my Goodness me, Thomas Burdick, this tournament so far. This, wow. Yeah, honestly, wow. I mean, Matt reckons that he hits the ball cleaner than anybody. Except, I think there's something to be said for that. I mean, is anyone disputing that? Me. I think he's just... Who's hitting it cleaner? I, I hit a good ball. <laughs> to be fair, I have never seen David play tennis. When I'm on my game. No, I all have, right. I okay. have Matt. <laughs> Okay, it doesn't seem to be washing. Uh, so I know what you mean there. Uh, even if I were compl- uh, Amanda but Anisimova. Even, but, even if I were complimenting your game, David... Even if I was saying you're a world beater, you're not a clean, you're a slicer and dicer. No, that's, that's not a clean not fair. strike. That hurts. Hang on, the thing is no, about birds. You've got to know your game. You're Monica Nicolescu, we've done this. Six foot seven inch Monica Nicolescu, <laughs> yeah. who's not very a, good. A sight to behold. The thing yeah. about Burdick, I, f- I feel like I'm rediscovering Fearsome. Thomas Burdick. Yes, I've I seen, feel like Thomas Burdick I've is s- rediscovering I've seen, Thomas Burdick. I've seen Thomas Burdick play 
<laughs> what feels like a thousand matches. But it's, it's absence every, makes we, the heart grow well, fonder, it, isn't it? But I, but I think the same for written, him in tennis. I feel like everybody's mm, gone, oh, Thomas Burdick, he's really good, but we know exactly what we're getting. He's the guy we you know exactly what you're getting. He's not going to surprise you. He can play really well. Which, but, to be fair, is all we've got so far. <laughs> He has. Ooh, is he, it? Well, he has got to the. I was reading. He's he's got, he's got to the Australian Open fourth round, eleven out of the last thirteen years. He's beaten Federer at the Olympics and a couple of times at Grand Slams. Pretty good. Oh yeah, he's had a great and, career. And a Wimbledon he's final. A, he's a he's a brilliant tennis player. Yeah. Grigor Dimitrov's made a, a believer out of you again somehow. Oh, How's I that to, happen? I need to stop interviewing him. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen the bracelets that he's wearing? No. I think he's gone a bit sort of Joshua tree on us all. But, you know, if he has, then it's working. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I I interviewed him a couple of days ago after his uh, second round victory over Pablo Cuevas and I interviewed him today after his straight sets victory over Thomas Fabiano. And in the intervening period, um, was sent in Mats Valanda's stead because he was caught up in commentary on... Uh, Raonic and Vavrinka sent to interview Andre Agassi. Everyone made it very clear to me that I was very much a substandard replacement for Mats Valanda. But that's all right. I'm, I, I know my place. They clearly don't know what they're talking about. Um, and I... I mean, there were, but the, the way their, their respective faces lit up when talking about one another, it was, it, it was like Dimitrov's surrogate son. I mean, it really is something. I know that's it's how nice. Agassi is. I know that's his demeanour. Not that I've... I, I'm not sure I actually have interviewed him before. I know he's that sort of warm, twinkly-eyed, spiritually guy. But, yeah, I mean, the, the way that he talked about Dimitrov coming to stay with him and Steffi in Las Vegas and Dimitrov talking about how... His uh, Agassi's family has embraced his family, and their parents get on, and and it's all just one big happy meditation around the Joshua Tree. <laughs> I re- and, and look, it, that you know, <laughs> I don't meditate around the Joshua Tree, but it is working for Gregor Dimitrov. Well, he's into the last sixteen. It is working, and do you know what? The second question I asked him was, "Look, you've relative to previous years." You've flown a little bit under the radar here. Has that suited you? And I don't know whether his response was chippy. He went, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, totally. It's really suited me. And I I don't think he's a sarcastic guy. But no. I don't know. What do you think? I really don't know. I don't, I think do you think I, he's hated it? Do you no, think he? I don't think is he is a sarcastic guy. Really, no. I don't think that's really him. I think he. I think he probably is quite happy to just yeah. earn his right to be talked. Or about Or maybe again. he was saying, you know. "Well, I don't feel like I've flown under radar. I've got flipping Andre Agassi with me, and there's a well, circus yeah. around us wherever we go." But he hasn't played played on Margaret Court. He hasn't played on Rod Laver. No, but he's, he's been out. He's been out, and, and I think that's really been good for him because the um, Bulgarian support out there has been vociferous, and mm. he's loved it. He signed every autograph. Oh, he's lovely. He's loved it. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello Tennis Podcast listeners, David here. Now you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. So Dimitrov now plays Francis Tiafo, who you were both discussing yesterday and who registered another cracking win today uh, from two sets to one down against Andrea Seppi. And what really struck me, I, was, what, I only saw sets four and five, which are the ones that got him the win. And what I was really impressed with is that he just suddenly decided to go for it on the forehand. He, he stopped messing around. It was a bit like Nadal in a way in, in, after the first three games against Dimonor, except TFO it seemed to take him three sets and then suddenly, boom, he is clubbing forehand winners. And really, Seppi had no answer. It was very interesting. Yeah, he, he really stepped it up and it was so impressive that he did it when it was tight. That was kind of the moment where you think he might, might go into a shell, but he really stepped it up. And his, you know, his forehand, which we have talked about as potentially being a weakness really you know prove me wrong that actually it can be a weapon and that is an impressive win because Seppi is with the greatest respect he's sort of that Bautista Agu figure you know the sort of steady eddy persistent yeah. guy that is just gonna play his part and ruin the little story that you've already and, written and before like, the match you know um, and it's like Kyle Edmund last year had to go through Seppi and it felt like a really big sort of yeah. it's like a it's like a sort of rite of passage guy, you have it, to be able to beat Andreas Seppi <laughs> to, 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 yeah. to sort of prove your worth for the second being in the second half of a slam I love that yeah, um, yeah and, and, really and Anderson's the same actually you know again Kyle Edmund went through Anderson and TFO's gone through Anderson these are both just 
so solid. You really have to go out there, like you said, David, and Kev- beat them. Take Kevin your game Anderson, you are a hurdle to be overcome yeah. <laughs> by the youth. Yeah, if you, if you can beat those sort of guys, though, you have... Yeah, yeah you've arrived a bit, There's really. No, it, I think the... I really mean it with the greatest of respect. It's it's there's there's no shortcuts to beating those guys. There is absolutely no, no. no shortcut to beating Andrea Seppi. He there are better players than him out there, but you will you'll have to outplay him. Oh yeah, when I mean when Carl Edmund drew Seppi last year at the Australian Open, it, it was one of those where you thought, well, I'm not sure Edmund will win this, but when he and when he did, I was thinking, well, yeah, that, there you go, you've moved to another level, and he ended up in the semi-finals. So. Now Dimitrov plays TFO. I think they play Actually, each other at the. Yeah. Just, they have a very similar draw. Carl Edmund last year and TFO this year. Yeah. Ooh. Anderson, Seppi, and now Dimitrov. Mm. Oh. It's. it's oh, but, but, crikey, that but is I've good. got this feeling about Dimitrov, though. <laughs> yeah. Which, which, on the basis of my predictions this year, should be ignored. <laughs> well, uh, Dimitrov, I think, beat him quite comfortably at the Labour Cup. Um, now, how much you can read into that, I don't know. Although they did play a very close match somewhere else. I, I think. I, I think feel like that was in Cincinnati, the year that Dimitrov won Cincinnati. Anyway, if T- if TFO really takes it to him, he's got the physicality. He's a very very good athlete, and, and he, he doesn't seem to, he doesn't seem to wear out either. He's got to make Dimitrov doubt himself. Mm. That's what he's got to do. I'm afraid to say it, but um, Dimitrov seems to be feeding off. I think the fact that Andre Agassi believes in him is making Dimitrov believe in himself. Right. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good point, actually. Um, yeah. And and TFO needs to find a way to make him, to, to shake that belief. Bautista Gut has beaten Karen yeah. Hatchinov. Yeah. And it looked like, <laughs> it looked yes. like for a it minute It was happening then, again. Yeah, he was two sets to love up. And then suddenly <laughs> Hatchinov starts coming back and it's two sets to one and you're thinking, oh, Roberto. <laughs> uh, but he did it. He did he it. Good it, on him. Got it done in three. Hatchinov in my quarterfinals. Yeah, same. Into a fifth set, Marin Cilic, as we speak. And now, the match schedule for tomorrow. Incidentally, Ash Barty looked good today, beating Maria Sakari. Oh, dear. Barty looks good. She's in my semis. <laughs> <laughs> it's good this um, right Halep and Venus on Margaret Court Arena yeah, yeah. What, what is, is that all about there? there can I give you my interpretation and I'm absolutely up for a Tennis Australia spokesperson telling me I'm wrong I, it seems to me that you, they were given the option of playing second on Rod Laver hmm. or first on Margaret Court and given what happened last night you're, you, you, you want to play first whatever and I, I, I'm starting to come around to the view that if you're not going to put a a formal limit on what time matches can start, and there doesn't seem to be much um, appetite for that. I mean, I think there ought to be, but there doesn't seem to be. If that's going to be the case, you simply have to put women's matches on first. Well, I was going to say, my answer to that is that that should be the first match in the yeah. night session, yeah. which is the on match of the day. Arena. Yeah, Absolutely. that is the match that should but be the number is, one priority. But, that's, but, if, but if you're looking at... The two slots allocated mm. for women's matches tomorrow, second on Rod Laver, first on Margaret Court. First on Margaret Court is the better billing for the players. For the players. For the players. Yeah. So, but, but it shouldn't be that conundrum well, in the first Well, put it this place. way, I can tell you that on BBC Radio tomorrow, we'll be doing Samantha Halep against Venus Williams. Quite right, too. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I, I, I tell you what, I'm going to go and see if I can find out. I'm going to go and ask the question tomorrow and find out what, what, 
why that decision has been made and, and whether the players requested it or what. Because I, I am mindful of, I don't want to be critical without knowing the details. But I, but I, it doesn't feel right to me. So Law we'll see. see. See if I can find out. Uh, so it starts tomorrow with Elena uh, Svitolina against Xiang Shui. Uh, we've then got Serena Williams against, uh, is it Diana Yastrzemska? Daria Yastrzemska. Daria, Daria, okay. Uh, then you won't, I don't think you'll have to know how to pronounce her name after tomorrow. Not too much. Uh, Djokovic, oh, she's a good player. Great not, player. Just not that good. Yeah. Uh, Djokovic <laughs> against Shapovalov. That's because Serena Williams is the greatest of all time. Can uh, I talk about dogs? Can we just have Djokovic against Shapovalov predictions? Yeah, Anybody? well, that's this is where the dogs Prediction. come in. Oh, yeah, dogs, go. I spoke to Shapovalov with dog yes. earlier. What a, really? great, what a great With guide dog puppy. I met a baby kangaroo. <laughs> <laughs> it's a low blow, David. Catherine was not there and she's not happy about it. And I better move. But then the universe sent me puppies. A dark yes. cloud has come over this Honestly, podcast. Honestly, I literally stumbled. So we'd, we'd arranged to, to meet Rob Steckley, uh, Denis Shapovalov's coach, to do an interview with him to, to preview... Shapovalov against Djokovic and he said oh Dennis is doing a thing by quarter five and I'm there so can you come out and do it here and we said yeah fine uh, and arrived and uh, stumbled upon this scene I honestly it questioned whether I was in some sort of trance-like euphoric state um, stumbled across a scene of two guide dog puppies fumbling across the legs of Denis Shapovalov <laughs> and then somebody from Tennis Australia says, would you like an interview with Denis Shapovalov and the puppies and I said, yes okay <laughs> um, great, let's, let's do that now and suddenly I'm, I'm doing sort of the worst interview of my life because I'm so thoroughly thoroughly distracted and and as my producer calls it being weird about <laughs> the uh, the puppies present but i don't care because it was the best part of my day and um yeah rob steckley's an interesting guy that's an interesting vibe that they've got going mm. together um there's no doubt that shapovalov feels confident there's no doubt that their their mo together is keeping dennis loose Interesting. Mm. Um, That's very so, interesting. Look, we'll see if that tell works. Tell you what, loose Shapovalov is dangerous in a match like right. this. He's got nothing to lose. Do you think it's who's to whose detriment is it that that's not a night session match? I don't think it makes too much difference. It's third on. Um, it, yeah, it's 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 fine. I don't think it matters either way. I think yes, Shapovalov would love the night session vibe. Of course he would. But I think he'll be fine with that. I think okay. I think he'll play well. Whether it's enough, I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I no, just think Djokovic will win. I just think <laughs> Djokovic is just going to turn it on and yeah, I think so get too. it done. I think I think Shapovalov's winning the set. Yeah, yeah, possibly a yeah. set. Yeah, yeah, we'll let him right. have that. We'll see. Zverev against Bolt in the, the evening thing. session. He'll always have the puppies. Uh, and then it's Georgie against Pliskova, which is uh, yeah. Dinkley was Dinkley and Troy. All right, all right. Can we get on to the? Order of play. Uh, and then we've got this Halep, Venus Williams match in the evening session on Margaret Cordarino. We've got Naomi Osaka playing tomorrow, Kane Shikori back to back in the afternoon. Oh, that's cool. Uh, that is cool, isn't it? That really is cool. Mm. Luca Puy, uh, coached by Amelie Moresmo, up against uh, Alexei Popperin. Lexi. The, uh, Lexi. Is it? Popperin. Okay. The cool wild card from uh, Australia. He is, it's like somebody, it's like you've sort of created a human being and then stretched 
yes. He is a he is a bean bean pole of a tall young lad. He's the proverbial bean pole. Yes, he is. Alex Alex Bolt. He's got some hair. Yeah, he's got some hair. It's blonde bits on it, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that's about it for the <laughs> tennis podcast. Uh, Listen, folks, we've had lots of people come up to us over the fortnight and, and say hello, which has been really nice, and, and people have said some lovely things about the podcast. Our message to you is if you're enjoying it, just go and tell somebody you know, uh, whether it's a friend or a family member or somebody in the street who you think likes tennis, and you just tell them about the tennis podcast. If you see them at the tennis, if you're at the Australian Open, you get chatting with your neighbour when you're watching a match. Tell them about the tennis podcast and make them into a listener uh, because we want as many of you as we can possibly get. We have been executive produced by TennisBalls.com. Our mascot is Rio with a Y, uh, a lovely dog. Uh, go and check out the Instagram page of Rio with a Y. Uh, Catherine, have a good sleep. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye. More puppies tomorrow. More puppies tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Matt, Grandma. See you. It's been a joy, and we will be back with you tomorrow. See you then. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 